Jesus said, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And what a wonderful statement that you have eternal life. And you can know that God will raise you up on the last day. You can be saved and know that you're saved. You don't have to wonder, will I go to heaven? You can know. Jesus said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Not that you have it in the future, you have it now. And this gospel is easily understood by any spiritual child. But many adults, even honored men and women, scholars, even world leaders have struggled with this. Many, even on that day, in Jesus' presence, people there that received the word from Jesus' lips right to their ears had difficulty receiving it. And many murmured. Look at verse 60. This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They left Jesus because they were carnal people. They wanted a carnal religion. And Jesus exposes their motives in verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And the King James, I believe anyway, is a literary treasure and has words that are out of common usage, like uh, quicken, means to make alive or make more alive. So Jesus is saying, it is a spirit that makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. If you're going to inherit eternal life, it can only be by faith in God's word. Ephesians 2.8 It is by grace that you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And it's tragic if a man goes his whole life fooling himself, that, that his own works made him, make him good enough to go to heaven. Then he meets the Lord. And, and we read about situations like that in Matthew 7 verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I can't imagine a more tragic scene. But how many people on that day, on judgment day, will still point to their good works and say, Lord, I didn't steal. Well, maybe I did when I was young, but I stopped doing it. And I didn't cheat on my wife and I tied to the church. I was a, that was a big sacrifice for me. Does that make me good enough? Isaiah wrote, chapter 66, verse 6, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, 
have taken us away. And saints, we've studied these things. The only sacrifice of atonement for our sins is only one that God will accept. And it's the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Romans 3, 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall be no flesh justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So the law, works of the law, trying your best to do the law, that can't save you. We try to do what we can't, and all the law can do is show us our sin and make us feel more guilty. And in fact, the law has made the whole world guilty before God. It's written in the Bible. It's also written on our hearts. And so we know the truth and there's no denying the truth. But none of us are perfect. None of us are good enough to go to heaven. And you can't make yourself good enough. So we have one hope of salvation. One and one only. And that's faith in Jesus Christ. And God wants you to be saved. It's your choice. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God loves you. He knew you before you were born. He loved you then. He loves you now. He doesn't love you less when you sin and more if, when you don't. God loves you. He wants you to be saved. He doesn't force you. He gives you a choice. Deuteronomy 30 Verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your seed may live. So eternal life, it's a gift. It's a gift God wants to give you if you want it. For by grace are you saved. Through faith. So everyone that is saved, it's because we came to God in prayer and said, Lord, I want this gift. And people can say it more than once. Or if you've never said it before, you can say it with me now. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I confess that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for me and on that cross paid the penalty that I deserve. I thank you. And please help me every day to show my thankfulness. I thank you for my new life in Jesus Christ. Amen. You come to Christ. And you're saved. You can know that you have eternal life. And of course, it has to be a prayer said in faith. It can't be something somebody's coerced in through, through peer pressure or whatever. But at the same time, you don't have to sit at home wringing your hands. Did I mean it enough? There is no enough. God offers a gift. And you say yes. If you say yes to his gracious gift, you're saved. And now I'd like to get to the principle that I came here to preach about today. That the saints who are saved should know they're saved. And God wants you to know you're saved. God wants you to know that you have eternal life. And we've been going 
through the Bible, precept by precept, here every Sunday morning, and we're building a foundation, and this is one of the fundamental foundation stones, being saved and knowing you're saved. And I'd like to start out, let's look at two ways to know you're saved. By promises in the Bible and by the inner witness. So 1 John 5 verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. So I'd like to stop there for a second. If you believe God lives inside of you, He comes to live inside your heart, and you have that inner witness. So verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave his Son. And this is a record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that has a son has life, and he that has not the Son of God has not life. So, in this brief passage, John's teaching both principles. He says in verse 11, and this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. The record's in the Bible. The Bible says you're saved if you come to God in faith. So you can know you're saved by the promise of God. And the second principle is, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. In other words, God tells you you're saved. You're a child of God. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Your body is his temple. Your heart is his holy of holies, his sanctuary. And the Holy Spirit, God himself, will reassure you that you have eternal life. You could also read Romans 8.16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And Spirit here is capitalized. From the context we know that it's the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, God Himself, will witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And we need to train ourselves to receive the instruction of the Bible, to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because there's other spirits in the world. There, there are other people. There's the devil and his demons. I don't ever want to listen to the devil. A person, well, it depends what spirit they have. If what they're saying agrees with the Bible, then I'll receive that. So I'll give an example. Let's say a man is wondering if he's saved. Let's say he sinned and he got beat up and the devil doesn't play fair. And sometimes even our brothers and sisters have, have kicked us when we're down. And what if a person comes up to him and says, uh, there's no hope for you, and goes on and on about how he's going to hell now, he lost his salvation. Can't really find it in the scriptures, but he goes on and on being negative. I'm not going to receive that. I don't have time for that. But what? Let's say it happened to me. And then a Christian came to me, and he's encouraging. And he says, let's pray about it. Praise the Spirit of God. Illuminates God's word to us. And we read and we see passages of restoration and wisdom of how not to fall into the same trap again. I mean, that could be good. I could receive that, but I'm not going to receive a false, fear-based, condemning spirit. So let's go deeper into the passage. Because it's right there, Romans 8, 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption 
whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So here's another way to know you're saved. It's adoption. You're a child of God. When you came to Christ in prayer, God made you a member of his family. Now we're children. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Another way to know you're saved is God's power. I'd like to look at what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 28. I give, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. God says, right now you have eternal life. You're safely in the Father's hand, and no one can snatch you out of there. And the devil hates it. There's nothing the devil can do about it. So what will he do? What, what is a common strategy of the devil? He'll try to make you think or feel that you aren't saved. So fight the good fight of faith. Don't listen to the devil. Another way to know you're saved is the book of life. And as an evangelist and pastor, I've talked to a lot of people in America. And it seems to be a common theme of what people believe. It's not, not God's gospel. But what they think is that on judgment day they're going to stand before God and they think that God's going to weigh their, their good works against their evil. And in that way, see if they're good enough to go to heaven. And that's what they sincerely believe. That's not what happens. It's not in the Bible. It's, it is in almost every religion other than Christianity. Even if we go back thousands of years to the ancient Egyptians, they thought that there, there was this demon with a scale and uh, there was a feather on one side and the demon would weigh the, uh, the heart of the deceased against the feather. And if it tipped, then there was another demon that looked like a crocodile would destroy him. And Muhammad preached salvation by works. Uh, rabbinical Judaism drifting away from gospel truth, teaches salvation by works, along with basically every religion. Jesus stands alone and offers salvation by God's grace through faith. And Jesus says, there's only one way to be saved. So I'd like to look in the book of Revelation about Judgment Day, what it actually says, and contrast that to common belief. Revelation 20, verse 15. And whosoever was found not written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So in heaven, there's a book called the book of life. It's also known as the Lamb's book of life. If you're a child of God, your name is in there. And you have eternal life. You're going to heaven. And here's amazing news for us today is that you can know your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus said, this is Luke 10, 19. He was sending out his apostles. Behold, 
I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And that's great. Jesus told them they could have victorious, triumphant Christian lives and a ministry that, that saved thousands upon thousands and reached the end of the earth. And yet, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice, because Jesus says, I'm telling you, right here now, your names are written in heaven. And maybe you're not feeling it. <laughs> don't go by your feelings. Ask God, He'll tell you, do we worship the same God today? The Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit. And He'll, he'll tell you. Just like Jesus told his disciples on that day. He'll reassure you. He'll tell you the fact. Your name is in my book. I'd like to go over one last way. To know you're saved this morning. It's a eat Jesus' body and drink his blood. I know we've come back to where we started. I wanted to lay some groundwork. So we all could understand. Because many on that first day Jesus said it. Thought it was a hard teaching. It was hard for them because they were carnal people. Depending on their own earthly works for salvation. And that's tough. Trying to earn your own salvation. It's so tough. It's impossible. But the gospel is easy. Well it's easy for us. Okay, there was a price to be paid for our salvation. In our hearts we know that. And too many times, men and women try to do it themselves, we can't. That high price to pay. Well, here's the good news. Jesus did what we couldn't. He lived a perfect life. Never sinned. So he's a spotless lamb, no blemishes at all. Perfect in every way, holy. And he paid the price for us. On the cross. And he bought it. With his body and his blood, he's redeemed us, it, it, the scripture says. In other words, he bought us. And now he offers this gift, bought and paid for, if we want it. Jesus said, whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. So that, dear friends, is the gift that God offers us eternal life. And what a precious gift. Look at the cost. Picture in your mind Jesus dragging that cross and the, that rough, heavy cross bearing down on his back that had been shredded by the whip until you could see his bones. But he's focused on getting to the top of that hill. He was thinking about you. And how much. He wanted you to be saved. And now he offers it to you. As a gift. And that's not a picture. Of someone reluctantly. Offering a gift. It's something. He wants you to have. But do you believe it? 
That's the question. If you believe it, can you say Amen? And you could be listening to this on the other side of the country or the other side of the world. But if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, can you say Amen? Just where you are. So now, by the Word of God, you can know that you have eternal life. And here is the grace that the Lord imparts to us at His table. Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Amen.